Hello and welcome back to From the Be All End. And yes, it's that uh, strange but very enjoyable feeling of doing a debrief on a Burnley victory. 2-0 win at Fulham. We're recording this pretty quickly after the match. I'm Simon Evans and with me is Andrew Greaves, Paul Woodhouse and Justin Conley. And well, chaps, that was a pleasant surprise, wasn't it? Greaves, it kick us off. Yeah, and game of two halves. I know that's a, a massive cliche, but I think when we were all conversing at half time I don't think we really expected you know the performance or the result but I mean that second half performance incredible just fantastic I mean at both ends of the pitch defensively strong good in midfield we'll get on to Sander Burge I'm certain certain before long but two brilliant strikes look what happens when you take a pot shot from outside the area rather than fanning (laughs) about with it incredible (laughs) isn't it you know Um, but what a Christmas present Fulham in good form Won the last two games 5-0 at home. We were a bit fearful, I think, in the last podcast of, you know, being on the end of the third one. I think Woody had the stat of when the last time um, a Premier League or top flight team won three games 5-0 at home on the trot. But uh, they were a, a, a shadow of their first half self due to our performance second half, weren't they? Yeah, a bit of a Burnley sort of thing, really, where they played quite well, and then as soon as they conceded, they uh, disappeared from the game. Woody, you weren't particularly impressed with Fulham, huh? I picked up. They weren't. They, yeah, they weren't <laughs> very good, were they? I mean, they didn't actually, for granted, for what they managed to do in the first half, uh, they still didn't create a lot. And second half, you'd be awfully disappointed as a Fulham fan, and you'd also be slightly confused coming away from that, having having lost it. I thought they were appalling second half, um, and so I'm in I'm in a moderate state of shock, to be honest with you. <laughs> not that not that we really care about Fulham being appalling that much, do we? No, I mean, just, we don't. No. I mean, Justin, there was some, yeah, yeah. there was some, there was a lot a lot to like about that though today, wasn't there? I, I thought it was a wonderful performance. I have to say, I'm I'm calling that as our best performance of the season so far because, you know, even though we smashed five past Sheffield United, they Fulham are a good side. And I've and I've been playing really well, particularly at home, scoring a lot of goals. You know, it's always difficult, isn't it, to to measure up how, just how how much their performance was affected by the things that we did. But I thought it. Uh, the hope is now that 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 Everton performance turns out to be a bit of a blip. That this now is the true form because we went back to what we were doing before that first half performance. I thought it was good. I thought we didn't do anything too stupid. There was a little bit of um, ner- a few nervous moments when they had the ball, uh, knocking it about at the back. But it just—they they were much more at it than they were against Everton. They were—they were into—they were getting into tackles. They were picking up, you know, second balls, all that sort of stuff. And it just shows what can happen, doesn't it? When you—we stayed in the game. We stayed in that game in a way we haven't done in other games, and we've got the players who can pull something out of the bag at the at the other end. But they're not going to do it if you're already two goals behind. So 
I was as impressed by what we did in the first half. It was a, it was a poor game, but I was I was I was as impressed by the, the way we defended, the way we stayed in the game, the way we just gave ourselves that platform for. Uh, and when the chances came, you know, they, they they took them, didn't they? And that's it's we've been saying it for for months, haven't we? <laughs> Keeping the game, take your chances, and you'll pick up points. Yeah, I mean there was. After a really good start, I thought the first 10, 15 minutes were, were super positive stuff. Mm. Then the, then they had two or three chances. Trafford makes saves. Um, and Trafford was absolutely faultless today. We have to say that. I mean, he, 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 was, he, was, you know, he, had, he had to make saves. There were no miracle saves, but there were saves he had to make, and he made them all. Um, and, 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 and faultless with his feet as well. Um, we could, we'll go through in a minute with some of those individual performances because... There were there were some real standout performances from from some Greavesy. Who, if you were picking one, who would you pick out as the man who who had the biggest influence on that victory? Uh, probably Sander Berger, uh, Berger. To be honest, I, I think he just you know as we've said, yeah. we know he can run games. First Premier League goal, it's what he's deserved, and. Uh, he just picks the ball up, and I know at times, you know, start of the season, I'm thinking to myself, he's just too soft. He flicks a leg out. He's not strong in a tackle, but he's getting stronger in the tackle. He's getting a little bit more aggressive, and when he gets when he gets into full flight, he just glides, doesn't he, with the ball at his feet, and that that's a brilliant finish from him as well. Kind of mm. probably hit it a stride or two earlier than Leno was perhaps expecting and yeah. that's why it manages to kind of cut cut past him uh into the bottom corner but yeah for me he he's he's man of the match and there's today was very much a kind of seven and eight out of ten performance as opposed to a four and five performance against Everton. I, I remember I think it was Chris um said either on the podcast or on social media, there's no point playing ticky tacky if you can't do the basics right. If you can't defend, if you can't string passes together then all of this kind of fancy stuff that he wants us to play is pretty useless. Um, and today we did all of that basic stuff really, really well for for a you know a big part of that game. Um, Thirty four percent possession, I think we had in the end. So it's not all about possession, is it? You know, if we look at the Everton possession, I think we had sixty odd percent against Everton and got beat two 0 Fulham have had sixty odd percent of possession today and got beat 2 no. So it's not all about, you know, in the Premier League, it's not about possession. It's about what you do with it. And they, they mentioned that on the world feed today. You know, it's all right having all that possession if it's just in front of your own goal and things like that. But unless you're going to penetrate, unless you're going to make chances and take chances, it counts for nothing because you don't win games on possession, do you? No, no. There was, it has to be said, there was, there was a spell in the uh, second half where I think, in terms of fannying about at the back, that was probably our peak fannying of the season because it was just like there was, there was a I think it was about a twelve pass move that went across the penalty area three or four times. There were probably six risky passes in it, and yeah. you just kept thinking this one's going to be a disaster. But we got a, got away with it. Um, but yeah, no, lots of lots of good uh, individual displays, weren't there, Woody? What who caught your eye? Well, besides Berger. Uh... The same reasons as Greasy's mentioned. Bloody O'Shea managed to have yeah, some yeah. often decent <laughs> game. That 40 yard foray towards the end of the second <laughs> half was preposterous after we were talk, t- talking about Steve Davis endlessly between us. Uh, it yeah. was something else to see, but he got his led on everything. He was blocking everything. Even his ridiculous half long balls into channels were finding men. He looked solid. He looked sturdy. Like had everybody in his pocket. So fair play, fair, fair play to him. 
can't mm. can't really complain. But um, I think there was a little bit of overplaying going on. The the fanning got me a little bit nervous halfway through the second half, and we just continued to play weird triangles, Cruyff turns, whatever the fuck we wanted to do, thinking on some <laughs> beach in Rio. And then um, thankfully Vincent got all the game by the scruff of the neck, made the right substitutions probably at the right time. He did, didn't Shored he? It up. Yeah, he did. Shored mm. it up. So credit credit goes there because we saw it out extremely well, you know. So, yeah. and I'm glad, I'm glad you took Trezor off and and brought mm. on. Uh, well, it was was it Delcroix came on for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm glad he did that because there's this weird thing in football that like it's some like huge insult to to take someone off like, who's come on as a sub. But if it makes sense tactically to do that, and it, and it totally made sense because he looked like a passenger at that time, Trezor, and certainly we couldn't afford any passengers at the end. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it was the right move. I don't think it's an insult to Trezor. It's just like this is what the team needs now, isn't it? You know, it's uh, Justin. Any 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 anyone stand out for you? We've had uh, honourable mentions there for Sander Berger. Who I, th- I think we'd all agree was man of the match, and and I, I think uh, Woody's absolutely spot on about Daroche. Who else catches so- your eye? Totally agree on those two. I thought Vitinho had another really, really yeah. solid game. That call up to the Brazil squad is not too far away if he keeps <laughs> if he keeps if he keeps doing that. Um, difficult, difficult to pick any player out that had a bad game. Actually, I thought you know Brun Larson did okay. I thought um, obviously Oderberg did did another one of those had another one of those stunners. Uh, hard to pick anybody out who didn't who didn't work as hard as was necessary to get the job done. Um, I feel a bit. I feel a bit sorry for Trezor. I think. I think. I mean, he's clearly not. A, he's, he's clearly not a terrible player, is he? You know, he's t- he's clearly not a bad player. And and I, I just think the breaks haven't gone his way this season. I'd like to see what he's capable of if he gets a decent run in the side. So, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed that he didn't get a full run at it. But like you say, you know, it was a moment where where we've been critical haven't we of uh of companies substitutions the, the the changes that he makes and the time that he does it so you know for him to be a bit more proactive about it and manage one one of the things we've we've really been critical of is the sort of management of the game and i thought they got that spot on today managing yeah, that yeah. last and you know when you when you're two two nil up away from home, you've got to expect an onslaught. I mean, you've got to expect a barrage, and that never really came. And I think that was down to what we were doing rather than what they were trying to do. So um, you know, I thought they all, all had great games. I'm still I'm still a bit. I, I thought Trafford had probably one of his better games for us. I, I didn't think his passing was 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 as on point as you suggest it was. I thought he gave the ball away a couple of times and I'm still not happy with this. I think it's a modern trend with goalkeepers not to be catching the ball as much as they should be, as far as I can tell. There were a couple of occasions where even though he's got that sort of two, three feet extra height with his with his hands, he still seems to be challenging for the ball in people's faces with his punching. And I, I want him to see, I want him to take the jeopardy away immediately when the ball's across him by catching it more often than rather than sort of you know, pushing it out somewhere, but that's a bit of a that's a bit of a small niggle. I think, that, I think the coach to do that now, though. Aren't yeah, they? I'm a, sure they are. Because I think, in fact, did, did did the beast mention it when he was on on this show? I think I think he was saying that the balls, you know, these lighter balls that move faster, mm. um, that they that they're just taking that risk of a, of a messed up attempt to catch out a bit and 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 going for the punch much much more often and being encouraged to do so, but. Mm. Um, 
but he doesn't look convinced. Like that one he saved and he looped up in the air and there was a crowd of players in there. I mean, he got in there, to be fair, but it, it does, yeah, he got does it look away weird, that little fist going in there, doesn't it? But yeah. but yeah, no, I thought he was good. Brownhill got around the field really well, didn't he? He put himself about. I thought he was, kept, he was a busy performance from him. You know? mm-hmm. um, Lyle Foster... Amdouni's another one. I mean, let's talk about Amdouni for a minute because for me, he just strikes me at the moment. There's, you can see the talent there. You can see the close control he's got and the speed and the ability to so- suddenly, you know, change the tempo of the game. He's there, but nothing seems to come off for him. You know, he, he's like everything's nearly really, really good for him. Whether it be a shot or a pass that he's looking to put through, I don't know. I mean. Are we going to see Greaves? Do you think we're going to see like Amdouni suddenly make a a breakthrough where he gets he, things start happening for him? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think I think you're right. I think you know you see flashes, and I think the Arsenal game was the the, the one where he kind of turned on a sixpence, and suddenly three Arsenal players were out the game. But then it's a a ball into somebody who can't control it, things like that. I, I also don't think he works as hard perhaps off the ball as someone like Trezor. We've mentioned Trezor. I think one of the things he does, which doesn't get picked up, is he does he does work hard off the ball to get a, you know another body back in front. So I wonder whether we might see Amdouni drop out for Trezor and Trezor play that kind of free role, number 10 kind of role, because I think that's probably his favoured position, isn't he? So I think... I think the biggest thing with Trezor is he, he probably needs a start, a bit like Audubon. I mean, Audubon's got, what is it, three goals in five starts, yeah. um, hmm. which is incredible. Um, I think he's the top Premier League goal scorer for us now, isn't he? Three goals. Um, but yeah, Lyle Foster, I thought, did well. I thought he 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 came back and he almost kind of helps free up Amdouni a bit more than perhaps... Jay's done. I know Jay did against Sheffield United, but um, we didn't really see it. You know, struggling to find a player who didn't kind of perform well, I would probably put Amdouni into that category. I don't think he had a great game today. Um, and it feels like we're being really, really picky on the back of a 2-0 win, doesn't it? But um, mm. but yeah, I, I really, really like Amdouni, but it is just spells and we just can't have players disappearing, I don't think, for as long as Amdouni does in games. Not if the off-the-ball out of possession work rate's not quite there. And I don't think it's quite there yet with Amdouni. I don't think he's quite mm. used to the pace of the Premier League when we've not got the ball. Yeah. I think there were times when Amdouni was a bit unfortunate that like his partnership with Foster has, has had that little hiatus because, you know, Foster's a different kind of player to J-Rod when he's holding the ball up. He does he does like his little neat neat sort of flicks and and back heels and so on. I don't think Amdouni was quite ready for a lot of those sort of little balls around the corner that Foster was playing. So I think we, we've talked a lot in the past about it being about partnerships. And I think that, that partnership has definitely got something going for it, but they just need to play together a bit more and, and get used to the kind of work each other is doing both on and off the ball. So I, I, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit more forgiving for Amdouni today because I think uh, that that partnership has got massive potential, but the the things that we, they were doing today together would just weren't just weren't quite clicking. When they do click, I think they'll be a real force to be reckoned with as a partnership. Those two. 
Yeah, I think I think it's one of those where I wouldn't I wouldn't leave him out because I think it's one of those where you just have to keep playing a player like that. I think he's hmm. because he's showing the talent, and and he, I think he will he will come off for him eventually, and and those relationships will build and and everything, and uh, and I, and I certainly wouldn't be putting Trezor in there on the basis of what we've seen as a sub because I just <laughs> I just I just think he's off the pace. I think that's the biggest problem with him. He's he's he's, he's not he's not um, he's not up to the speed of the Premier League. Now you can say there's only one way you can get up to speed with the Premier League, and that's mm-hmm. that's playing in it, and that's a fair point. But we're not in the position to be. Uh, you know, carrying people while we do that, really. I mean, looking it's at the bottom of the table. so far, though, has it? If you think about it, I mean, that's that's been the whole <laughs> no. kind of MO, hasn't it? Just kind of like players gaining experience despite us being shite for the first kind of whatever amount, number of games. I agree with you. I, I think, you know, I, I I just think Trezor is definitely going to be one of them players that, a bit like Bear. now he's had a bit of a run in the side, a bit like Colly Oshaw, we'll start to see all the kind of, glimpses that we've seen will start to become more and more consistent over a, a longer period. Actually, it's quite good to see him get almost a full 45 minutes today rather than coming on and, and having seven or eight minutes to try and impress and try and break into side because I don't think that really works for players, does it? I mean, some players, Nathan Redmond's a bit older, a bit wiser, a bit kind of probably knows he's going to come in, do a job and then probably not play for the next two or three games. But with like a Trezor or an Audubar or you know, a younger player, there's almost that kind of, they're desperate to kind of keep a place or win a place and kind of, you know, two minutes of injury time is never going to be enough for that player to to kind of win that place back. And I just think, I'm not saying I'd throw him in against Liverpool, obviously, but I'd probably throw him in against Liverpool. The commentators, <laughs> not, the commentators <laughs> notes on Mike Trezor never change though, do they? Every, every time he comes on, they go, Player of the Year in Belgium last season, record number of assists, an unbelievable twenty-four assists in a season. Yeah. Uh, it'd be good if he starts to get some Premier League stats to talk about as well. Um, the big, the only disappointment today is that Luton have gone and won against Newcastle, a surprise victory. So just looking at the bottom of the table, Sheffield, we're off the bottom. Sheffield United are on nine points. We're on eleven. Luton are on twelve. Knotts Forest are on fourteen. After mm. they lost at home towards Bournemouth, managerless. Uh, well, no, Nuno's going in, isn't he? Has he gone in already? Uh, Nuno, has he been unveiled? Yeah, I think he's already there. Yeah. 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 So, and then Everton on sixteen. Um, after they lost at Spurs, uh, and then it's uh, Palace on eighteen. Palace. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did Palace start that? to get thrown into it? You know. Yeah, of course he could. I mean, what we said wasn't it was that we want to we want to make sure we're still in touch by Christmas. If we hadn't won that, if we'd lost today, it would have looked, the picture would have been very different to how it looks now, wouldn't it? But yeah. we're, we're three points away from getting out of the relegation zone. We're three we're... points behind Nottingham Forest. Our our goal difference is worse, but we're, we're still in touch is what I'm saying. We're still in touch with that. And if you'd, t- if you'd, if you'd asked, asked me sort of a month ago, if I would have taken this, I would say, you know, yes, because I think we're going to pick up a lot more points in the second half of the season um, than we did in the first. And to, today, like, has, has really cemented that that view for me that we're going to go to these sorts of places and 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 put in these kinds of performances. So three points off off getting out of this, um, you know, we're still in. T- I mean. I think we'd be better off just not worrying about relegation at all, not looking at the table and just taking each game as it comes and just going, 
enjoying it for what it is. Um, I think the second half of the season will be better than the first. Whether we've left it too late or not, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. We all we all said that, didn't we? If we can be in touch at Christmas, who knows what could happen? And, and Woody, we are in we are in touch at Christmas. Are you feeling a little bit uh, of positivity after a victory that that maybe we can crawl our way out of this, or or are we just getting carried away after one win? Both, isn't it? Both, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, get, we, we've only got another week to go and see where we are then. We could be quite easily out of the relegation zone or we could be where we still are or we could be rock bottom. You know, it's as obvious as that. But, um, yeah, if you're going to sneak wins like this, um, then I do think, like Justin says, the second half of the season, there could be something very, very interesting to play for. So, fuck mm. it, let's go for it. We play like there's not really much fear there. You know, we're, we're going to play this champagne football to the end of the season. Let's, like Justin says, enjoy this ride and see where it goes. Mm. Yeah, that's the spirit. Yeah, Liverpool next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sooner or later, there's going to be a game where, you know, if you survive, if you survive in the Premier League, you have those games like that win at Chelsea. You have that those games like that win at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. You want one or two of those in a season to pop up, mm-hmm. don't you? Um, Liverpool, they're actually playing while we record this, so we'll ignore that. But they're coming, they're, whatever happens in that game against Arsenal, they're going into Boxing Day after a very difficult test in 90 minutes against a top side. Mm. I mean, dare I say it, it's a good time to play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely screwed us over there, no. hasn't he? I mean, he, he's prone to it. Why I mean, have you done that? Burnley 4, Chelsea 1. Can you remember that one, lads? Christ, oh yeah. man. Um, <laughs> it would be good to stick one over the dick, though, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Let's be honest. You know, he's a bit of a dick. Um, you don't want to spend Christmas in Burnley. Well, tough shit, pal, because you're coming to us on the back of a 2-0 win at Fulham. And But this is the thing, it? it's that consistency. Yeah. We, we've had results, then we've come and got beat by Everton. You think, oh, Christ, we've kind of, you know, we every time we've won, we've not been able to follow that up then. You know, I think after mm. Luton, the win at Luton, did we have Man United? Again, best time to play them. should say, if, for fans of stats, we've scored the same amount of goals this season as Man United. I think that probably tells you more about Man United yeah. than, um, the, than us. And they've also lost 13 games before Christmas for the first time since 1930. So probably not the best stat to pull out. But um, No, it's an interesting it, one, though, isn't it? It's yeah. tough at the top, isn't it? You know what I mean? It, it is for, for a team that has spent God knows how much assembling. I mean, we talked about, you know, Vincent spending 100 million quid or 120 million quid on, you know, lots and lots of different players. I mean, they had Oiland up front and they'd have been better off with Jamie Oiland up front today because that guy, <laughs> that guy's had one decent season in Serie A and he's mm. no more a footballer than Anthony is. And I, you know, I think I'm... He reminds, all me, of of, uh, he reminds me of one of our first Belgian signings. Vossen. Vossen, yeah. Yeah, Jelly Vossen. Oh. Yeah, didn't feature in any any of the uh, all-time favourites teams. Uh, but never heard of him. You know, he's better, <laughs> he's better than Vossen, but he's having that same sort of nothing nothing impact, isn't he? He's he's, uh, he's not getting the ball though, is he? They're not giving him the ball. That's no. that's no. the big problem. But it's um, the modern United way, isn't it? Yeah, spend eighty uh, million on a player and then try and sort of freeze him out of the 
But it's all about Rich. possession, isn't it? I mean, Ten Hag after the game, we talked about we, we dominated, but we didn't score. Well, Matt, you can dominate all you like, pal, but if you don't score, you ain't going to win. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool, obviously, is a tough game, of course it is. But as they kept saying on the international feed, as Tony Gale kept saying, as Vincent Company kept saying, it's a weird time of year, isn't it? There's nothing yeah. nothing to, to stop us. Nothing to say we're not going to have an Old Trafford, a Stamford Bridge, a City at home. Yeah. I'm not going to utter those words that you've just uttered, Simon, about being a good time to play them. There's never a good time to play Liverpool, let's be honest. They could turn it on like they did against West Ham midweek and, and smash us for five. Um, but it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. Given it's the just fact set that up for that post-game nice. Sky interview with Jürgen. You said Burnley's not a great place to come to on Boxing Day. You can see the headlines, can't you? You can almost see Henry Winter in the Times. Jürgen Klopp bemoaned Liverpool having to travel to Burnley on Boxing Day, saying he wouldn't want to spend Christmas there. And he mm. certainly won't be coming back next year for a return visit, blah, blah. You can, I can see it. I can see Henry's oh, yeah. intro already. You're right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Lots of wearing a nation of veneers. He needs, a, he, needs, he needs a welcome to Burnley Jurgen flag, doesn't it, when he comes out? You know, yeah. Club shop should have they missed a the trick there. Yeah, twenty. We designed one for him, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just. I mean, did you say he's a bit? Of, he's just a bit of a dick on it, but I'm sure we could have, you know, found something to uh, to replace it with, but. The ultra positive thing is like Boxing Day is always a always always a good game on the turf. Uh, always a good feeling going on the game on the turf, isn't it? And it's so different when you go on with the spring in your step after a performance and a win like that. So hmm. at least we'll start the game, you know, in the mood thinking, you know, we're a team who can win Premier League games and we could pull off yeah. an upset here. Yeah, let's move on to uh, something that uh, we talked about in the last uh, episode that we promised you. Uh, Justin wasn't able to be with us to discuss his all-time 11, all-time mm. favourite 11, I repeat again. Um, we had a fantastic reaction to it. It's been brilliant the last couple of days looking on social media and seeing everyone sending in their teams and their favourite players and honourable mentions. We'll go through a, a, a few of those uh, in a bit, but uh, we wanted Justin to have a chance to uh, talk about his selections. So. Mm. Go ahead, well, Justin. Who, who's in goal in the Justin Connolly all-time Burnley favourites eleven? Well, I have to say that there aren't many players in this lineup that we haven't mentioned before, so I'm going to skip through this reasonably quickly. Um, I, I think, on the face of it, it's quite difficult to follow Woody's eleven. Which, I, when I listen to it back, what well, that that's just a masterpiece, isn't it? Uh, it was it was wonderful. I loved it. So I'm I, I, I feel a bit. I feel a bit like uh, I can't follow that. Marlon Beresford is my goalkeeper, uh, not for the shirt, um, but more for the chant. Do you remember we co-opted the Ooh Cantona chant and uh, repurposed it for Marlon Beresford? Ooh Beresford. I mean, he don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why you put it like that now? <laughs> It doesn't it doesn't quite have the same ring as Ooh Cantona, does it? But I just thought that was brilliant, like typical sort of typical Burnley and really and really quite funny as well with it. But I think <laughs> I think Beresford was one of those players who during that period I always felt like he was a bit too good to be playing for Burnley and he was he was a little bit of a sign of things to come. You know, we come up from the from the fourth division and we were you know Jimmy Mullen was trying to build a squad that well we, we did we did go up again didn't we but that 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 period I th- I thought Beresford was like 
we we were lucky to have him, weren't we? He was a great goalkeeper, and it always and and it was looking back on it now, it was a sign of things to come because I feel like that period between between Jimmy Mullen and 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 Daesh was like it was a process of incremental improvement. And and Beresford to me represents like the first sort of step in that sort of getting players who you were like, oh, this guy's playing for Burnley, it's, you know, amazing. So he's my goalkeeper. Um, he's not a clean sweep though, is he? Other people had other keepers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Chris both had Tom Eaton, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's go into the uh, defense now. Then uh, my right back, I think, is the same as Greaves's. Gary Parkinson, just for that goal at Wembley, really, we can see it. Take a deflection and bobbling that that celebration. It, it, it's uh, indelibly you, you when you when you when you're a football fan, you have these moments, don't you, over the years that you just remember forever, and you can see it playing over and over again. That goal going in um, it was one of the one of those moments for me. So he's in he's in for that reason. My left back's Joe Jacob, just for the te- for his ele- for I think he's I'm the only person who's who's picked him, and I picked him solely on the basis of his elegant moustache, um, <laughs> which was a sight to behold. I mean, I think he was probably a bit of an unsung hero of that kind of you know solid, dependable. He was you know that uh, fourth division championship winning side. He was the left back there, wasn't he? You know, I think he was great. My my. Uh, Let's get on to the central defenders then. So uh, Steve Davis, Mark II, is is one of mine. So I think all he's five for Steve Davis. All, all five, five have picked him. Yeah. Um. For the exactly the same reasons that everyone else has gone for him, a proper sort of elegant ball playing central defender, um, adept at, ch- at turning defence into attack, and really a, a sort of mainstay of of a lot of the good things that happened at Burnley over that period. I was going to pair him with uh, with Ben May because I think every sort of elegant ball playing central defender needs a proper stopper next to them. Yeah. But I'm not going to. I'm going to go with John Pender because, well, apart from the fact that his name rhymes with defender, which is reason enough to pick him, <laughs> um, Steve Davis is not the player he was without John Pender stood next to him. And let's not forget, he was the captain of that of that. Uh, Fourth Division Championship winning side. He was the captain mm. when we went up uh, again a couple of seasons later in the playoffs. Um, so, John John Pender's my the man. I like that Mr. one, yeah. Mister Dependable. Uh, sat, sits next to Steve Davis and allows Steve Davis to be the player that Steve Davis was. Um, so, uh, you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Right, let's get into the midfield then. So, we right hand side. I've got Trevor Stephen. Um, yeah, I went for that one. You went for that one as well for the same reasons that you did. Really, he was a gem, wasn't he? he was I mean, we were at the time he was. I think we won that we got promoted, didn't we, with him in the side? To I think we won the third division title. Yeah, with that with him in the side, but he was quite clearly head and shoulders above everybody else in that team. A proper. Uh, a proper talent went on to prove that he was that as well. We were coming off the end of like. We still had a few of the sort of old nineteen seventies glory days player. I think you you picked Martin Dobson, wasn't he? I think he was in that team as well. He was. Um but we were just about heading into that sort of real sort of 
downturn in the in the sort of mid to late 80s and Trevor Stephen was the last sort of thing we were able to really sort of celebrate is I, I don't know I don't know if you were there there Simon I, I remember after we'd sold him to Everton taking a trip to Everton to Goodison Park to watch them play and for some reason I've got it in my head that it was I think you're right. I think, I think it right. was. I think it might have been a high-end boys FC thing that you. That... I think you're right. I think it was like that trip with damage that we took to uh, Blackburn that we talked about. <laughs> it was. It was. No, we yeah. went. My dad, we used went. To, my dad used to like doing those on a Saturday sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, we went to Everton specifically to carry on watching Trevor Stephen. Yeah. So uh, he's in that. He's in. He's in on the right hand side, left hand side. I can't. I can't look at anybody apart from Leighton James, my boyhood idol. Uh, such a fantastically talented, direct footballer. We, I don't think we saw him at his best uh, in those last two sort of spells he had with the club. But he's he's the player that whose number I I have got on the back of the shirt that I've still got from when I was ten years old. The number eleven, um, fantastic player. Yeah. Central midfield. I think I've gone a bit wild card compared to you, 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 you guys. Uh, I've got Adrian Randall in there. Um, I, he was he, he was one of those players. He was so talented. He was such a fantastic footballer, with such uh, with such skill. I mean, I remember one of the most entertaining things I ever saw him do wasn't even during a game. It was during the pre-game warm-up. I watched him do keepy ups round the touchline, literally all the way round the pitch. That's got, and I'm sure that's some. That's got to be some sort of world record. I mean, he, I don't think he ever really fulfilled his potential. He was a much better player than he ever managed to prove on the pitch. But uh, no, he certainly didn't achieve his potential. But but you're right. When he was playing for Burnley, you thought this is a guy who could end up playing for Arsenal or someone. Yeah, know? yeah. Mm. He was. He was. He well. He had that. You know, undefinable ball. class, didn't he? Mm. I, think, I think a lot he, of that. I think a lot of that team always said that, that they always thought Eddie Randall would go on and be. I think yeah. Roger might have even mentioned it on the uh, on the podcast. It might have been when we were chatting before or after. He just said, you know, that guy was just, you know, he could have gone to the, the very top, but it just never worked out. But did he become a postman afterwards? Stayed local, yeah, he was. He was I think he became a postman, didn't he? I, I hope yeah. he had a better performance than our postman the other day. He delivered all of the mail one house early. <laughs> Absolute madness. I'm not sure if it really Randall and he were doing kick ups so up. You're absolutely <laughs> delighted there were a segue into having a go at Royal Mail there. <laughs> um, no, they're, they're prioritizing parcels, apparently, my neighbor said. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. They're still in his hand and he posted them in the wrong door all the way up the street. Everybody's post was one too early. We've got nothing to whinge about today, have we? We've won two in <laughs> I know. I know. We're having an enjoyable nostalgia this morning. There's got to be a whinge about something. We need to, instead of Adrian Randall delivering your post, we need to get Andy Farrell in there. I don't want he's much more dependable and much more reliable. Adrian Randall, I remember Adrian Randall. I remember him doing that trick at an open day as well, walking all around. And I don't know if it was part of some kind of world record attempt, but I have vague memories of him opening the Bob Lord stand for an open training session, him him yeah. attempting to do it all the way around the pitch well, on that as well. Would not be surprised if he wasn't still doing it now. But it's a shame he didn't play more. But, um, yeah, ne next to him um, in the centre of midfield, I've actually got Jack Cook, which I don't think anybody else picked either. Close to Jack Cook. But I think... In and out of various formulations, I just, yeah. I, I think 
just like a massive part of the Sean Dyche era. And another, a bit like, a bit like in the in the in the way we talk about Beresford, we had him on loan, didn't we? A, a bit, yeah, for a couple, a season or two before he actually signed. And I remember thinking, whoa, if we're signing players like this now, then you know things are going in the right direction. He seems to be a lot better than we had. A really key player in that season, we qualified for Europe as well, I think. Um, so. Um, I've got like a, a flashy, uh, skillful, stylish creator and Jack Cork who's doing... I love, I, as much as I love these sort of creative players, I, I do love the players who quietly just get on with the job and make the team tick over. And I think Jack Cork's been been absolutely fantastic at that for us. It's a it's sh- nice pairing is that. I like that. I think there's a nice balance in that pair in there. Yeah. All yeah. like Greaves' version, which was what? Adrian, <laughs> Adrian Heath dropping and Robbie Blake alongside him on the right. And was, yeah. yeah, yeah. For, the, for the last five, five, six years, uh, Burnley have been better when Jack Coke's been playing. Let's put it that way. So that's why he makes my team. Right. Who's up front then? Tricky up one. Front, up front. Up front, there's about 50 players I could have picked. I'll be honest. I've gone for Danny Ings. I think, I don't know if I'm, I, I was surprised nobody else picked him. Such an exciting player to watch. Really direct, really quick, good eye for goal. Struck up that fantastic partnership with with uh, Sam Vokes as well. Uh, but also for, he was he was engaged with the community off the, off the field as well. So um, yeah. that's sort of part of the reason why he gets the nod for me. Um, uh, of course, he's still playing, isn't he? But... Um, uh, I, I was I was disappointed by what by what happened to him after he left. You couldn't begrudge him a move away, but all the injuries he's had, I, I, again, I don't think he quite fulfilled, became the player he could he could have been. I think he he could have been a star for England if he hadn't had all those knee problems that he had. Uh, but still, a really really exciting player to watch. Uh, a really exciting time for the club. My final selection. I can't look again like you, Sam. I can't look any further than Billy Hamilton. Um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult for people who don't remember this kind of thing to really imagine. But football in the old days, in the in the seventies and eighties, when you're watching it on TV, I don't know if you remember the the quality of the video and the audio. It was so poor that it felt really like you were watching a game that was being played out on another planet never mind another country <laughs> do you know what i mean those european games and world cups and Euro- you know it was like it, it sounded like it was being beamed live from the moon or something like that so that 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 82 world cup in spain it felt Magic. as about as exotic as anything can look to a 12 year old boy from burnley and to see billy hamilton the guy that we watch at Turf Moor every every other week, see him playing it, uh, and scoring goals. I mean, I think he, I, I, I'm not sure if this is right, but I think he was the first ever Burnley player to score at a World Cup finals in that in that tournament. Yeah. Oh, it was just magical! It was just magical. So he gets in my team for that, and that's uh, that's that's uh, my eleven. I like that eleven. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's good. It's good that some players like Cork and Ings and Pender, who who who've po- all popped up in in various uh, listeners' elevens, and there's so many of them. We can't like go through all of them, unfortunately, because just it's just been overwhelming on on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, and on the uh, up the Clarets message board. 
Um, but I'll just, just roll through a few of them who've mentioned players that, uh, that, that we haven't mentioned. So let's consider them the fans' honourable mentions. Mm, um, okay. I think uh, Dean Marnie appeared in quite a few. I think if you're of a certain generation, Dean Marnie's contribution in central midfield is obviously something that uh, you know made an impact for that club, for the club at that time. Uh, I, th- I can totally understand why people went for him. Peter mm. Noble from people from more of our generation, or maybe a touch older than us, remembering Peter Noble, who was was Mr. Burnley, really, wasn't he at that time? He really skipper. Cool. Quality. Bought many, bought many a Burnley shirt from him for, on his stall on Burnley Market Hall. Couldn't buy a Northern Ireland shirt, though, during that 1982 World Cup. I was going to say that. that <laughs> and that's the different times. You're right. The TV looked yeah. completely different. But also, like, you know, we were going out playing with a ball afterwards, pretending to be, you know, uh, Jerry Armstrong and Billy Hamilton scoring goals yeah. for Northern Ireland. And that white Northern Ireland shirt with green pinstripes, the away shirt that they wore, I think they wore that in the game against Spain. I don't think they wore green unless I'm uh, misremembering. But you couldn't get it anywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't buy shirts in those days like you could now. Um, Uvi missed a trick there, didn't he? Could have, he could have retired on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking around. There's a few. Uh, there's a George Boyd and Scott Arfield getting a mention. I think if you grew up, Somebody mentioned mm-hmm. to this that we all have a little bit of a bias towards our first sort of heroes and our first favourites a little bit. And if you've grown up uh, watching watching Burnley in the in the Premier League era, then Scott Arfield would be in there, wouldn't he? You know, and mm-hmm. probably George Boyd as well. So that that was good to see. I, I mean, think a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of that is what Justin was saying about kind of Gary Parkinson and moments. I think it's Arfield yeah. versus Rovers and the run to the Burnley. I think it's Boyd versus City. You know, we yeah, we think absolutely. about that. I, I included Robbie Blake probably because of the United game. Yeah. You know, that goal. You know, so it's that sometimes it's them moments, in it, that exactly. it just sticks with you. It's either your first hero, mm-hmm. it's that that you know, you remember where you were when when Boydie hit that kind of daisy cutter after company's kind of, you know, poor header at the back. How many times have we seen that? Um, you know, over the over this kind of, you know, the season, this season. So I think sometimes it's them moments, but yeah, Marnie definitely, yeah. you know, I think he was probably close to quite a few people's 11s of people from that era, if you will. Liam Preston has a, has a team that has, is very similar to um, a lot of the teams that, that, we, that we've done, uh, but he has Kevin Ball in midfield, which oh, yeah. is an interesting one. Solid. Proper. We do. I mean, we love wingers and we love flyer players and stuff, but we do love uh, like a hard man in midfield as yeah. well, don't we? Mm. Yeah, Alan Stevenson. Exactly. <laughs> Alan Stevenson was keeping quite a few. Um, yeah. And see that. you know, you can totally see why. So yeah, no, there's there's loads that Willie Donerke was thrown in as a left back, and I think that's mm. one of the few. I think he was probably the only one. Are those John Bond signings from Man City? Was he a John Bond signing from Man City or was he just before that? He might have been just before that. I'm not sure on that. To check afterwards. But those ex-Man City players who played for us in that era, let's put it that way. I mean, Tommy, mm. Hutchinson, Tommy Hutchinson hung around and was, was brilliant at times. But the mm. only one who, who really, you know, established himself at the club was probably Willie Donachie. And he, he, was, he was a very good footballer. So, yeah, loads of... Ian Martin getting into one selection with Murich in goal. So that's I think that's one of our younger uh, <laughs> younger <laughs> listeners there. 
<laughs> here we go. Here we go. We've got one uh, uh, that's from uh, uh, an older uh, listener who has um, the likes of Colin Waldron, uh, mm. John Canelli, Jimmy McElroy, which makes me think. Like, and when I saw that list, and that's Claret Tony's list for those who, who use the message board. Um, it made me think we need to do an episode sometimes, maybe during an international break, where we get on some people who really knew that team in the 1960s and talk about some of those players because mm, they they were the England international. They were playing in the European Cup. They were champions of England, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and there's people of our generation, we heard about it from our parents, but there's people younger than us who probably don't know a lot about these guys at all. So it'd be really good to to try and get a, a good a good guest on sometime. And if only uh, if only Simon, your dad and my dad were still around to talk about that, that would be fascinating, wouldn't it? It would be a great dad's episode, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. quite sure Tony will uh, Tony will appreciate you outing <laughs> being as old as, uh, <laughs> as, uh, as as he is to remember that that side. But I think you know the I think way you were a young supporter know, in early. 60s, I was going to say I think he was probably a toddler, <laughs> weren't he? Let's just let's just leave it at that for Tony. But but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you know I remember interviewing Jimmy when I was at the Burnley Express when they brought out the Kings of Europe video and we went to a screening and Jimmy was there and I was just because I'd heard my kind of my dad talk about that and you know my granddad and you just kind of think you know, what a player. And it's a different era, you know, Justin talked about 82 being being kind of uh, exotic and things like that. You know, seeing some of that European footage, the the Napoli footage and all that, like, it's just mm. incredible, isn't it? And what a, what, a, what a history we've got as a football club. And, you know, you think about those players. I remember seeing Jimmy um, a few years later at his house um, on Rosal uh, Avenue and he has a picture, he had a picture just inside... Um, his front door of him, George Best and Willie Irvin um, all being carried off the pitch on shoulders. And I think it was his last game for uh, for Northern Ireland. Um, so he was a bit older and obviously, um, you know, George was slightly younger and Willie Irvin was the youngest of the three. Um, mm. But the three of them were being carried off the, uh, off the pitch on supporters' shoulders after a game. And he had this frame just at his front door. And it was, I think it was a gift from Willie Irvin, actually, if I remember rightly. Yeah, and there's that there's that team of the early seventies as well that was just before our time with the with the youth team that came through and most of them got got sold on. But you know, players like Dave Thomas and so on, and obviously Ralph Coates was around at that at that sort of time as well that we didn't see and couldn't include in our lists, but who uh, who we should talk about at at some stages. Well, one thing we did say we were going to do, and before we forget, let's quickly do it: was who's going to manage our teams, our our all star favorite teams. So. Ooh. Greaves, who's in charge of your side? Who, who's got to one, persuade Mitch. Adrian Eve to do a bit of work in midfield behind that? <laughs> Stan Turnant. Stan Turnant. I'm going big Stan. Yeah, I think he not? was, uh, for me, I think, there's been a couple of times in our history when I've thought to myself, the chairman at the time should just drive up Bruncher Road and go and knock on Stan's door. And I, I genuinely thought it after Coyle left to go to Bolton, I genuinely thought that we'd have been quite well placed had we gone up the road to the kettle drum, popped his head around the door, see if Stan was in having a quick pint and just said, 
do you fancy six months? Um, I, I think we'd have, I don't think we'd have been in any worse position than we were going out and spending what we ended up spending on the Brian Laws experiment by giving him a big contract for a couple of years and then having to pay him off a little bit later. So yeah, it's stand for me. Yeah, I think people are, would have rallied around if uh, Stan had come in. Then he'd have got the crowd behind him. Would you? Would you? Your 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 team had a few uh, left field choices that have <laughs> has sparked some debate online. Who who would be in charge of bringing together and making sure John Bond? Joe Gallagher and, <laughs> Joe Gallagher. <laughs> he turned this club around. Wrong Somebody's going to get the best out of Joe Gallagher. In your <laughs> exactly. If it's not John. It's not anyone, is it? Can I have a management team? Can I? Can we go with like Harry Potts as the main man, Dash as the defensive coordinator, Young Vincent as the offensive coordinator, and Jimmy Organ, as we've been talking about that team from the sixties, as kind of first team coach. And yeah, that. that sounds like a dream yeah, team, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Thank Jimmy you. Organ. We need to do a Jimmy Organ episode sometime mm. uh, as well. Yeah. Justin, Justin, who's in charge? Of uh, uh, there's, there's only one man for me. It's got to be Jimmy Mullen, hasn't it? My, I mean, six of my six of my players are in that are, are, are from that era. So um, I think Jimmy's going to get the best out of them. I, I have to say, like like I said before, I, I view I view the whole thing as a as a process, and and these these individuals that have that have been entrusted with with the managing the club. Uh, uh, all stand on the shoulders of the guys who came before them. So I think, I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy's team was was more or less um, Frank Casper's team, wasn't it? With a couple of additions. So uh, and then without Jimmy doing what he did, there's there's no you know there's no there's no prospect of Stan Turner coming in and 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 building on that. And then you know Cottrell comes in and 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 builds again. You know that team that um, Owen Coyle took up. That's built on the shoulders of what went before him, and then everything, everything that that we see now, is a result of the incremental process of of improvement that's taken on since that time. But I think Jimmy Mullen, for me, had the biggest impact at a time when, um, you know, we we just turned the corner from like the worst sort of, well. 10 years of, of my yeah. life as a Burnley fan. Uh, and that, that success we had uh, under him was a real catalyst, I think, that eventually propelled us into the Premier League and, and what we are doing now. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 you mentioned him, but I, I, beforehand when I was thinking about it, I thought for, for, for my team as well, I've got to go off with Frank Casper. Because I mm. think uh, I think he's he's vastly underrated what he did, and that team that got out of the third division played some fantastic football. Mm. I mean, they really did. And at that time, just I think he had a really good tactical mind um, to switch. At that time, when it wasn't it wasn't yet fashionable to play, it became fashionable to play with a sweeper uh, a year or two after that. Mm. But at the time, he went to play. How do I get the best out of Martin Dobson at the end of his career? I'm going to play him as a sweeper behind uh, Phelan and Overson. I've got two mm. young fullbacks who've got lungs so they can just overlap. And they were like Dixon and Winterburn later were for Arsenal, Laws and Wharton used to just, you know, bomb on like crazy. Andy Wharton, by the way, honourable mention, um, as a favourite. Mm. It was like having a lad from the long side running about on the field <laughs> every week. It was fantastic. But um, I think with Billy Hamilton in my team and uh, 
And Trevor Stephen, I think I think Frank Casper would have got the best out of him. Probably with Brian Miller as assistant. They usually work oh, the other way around, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. They yeah. usually work the other way around. But and I think Frank, you know, I think I always felt sorry for Frank Casper because when we went up, that team he had that did really well and, and got far in the cup competitions, didn't it? Um, yeah. but we went down and he just and, and he's told people, I think, you know, that he was very close to getting... He wanted two players to come in that would have been enough to just shore us up and that we didn't go down. And the board mm. didn't back him. He lost his job. John Bond came in. The money was suddenly found. And, and, and the rest is history. And we went back into another spell of decline. But anyway, Frank Casper, uh, I think, uh, vastly underrated as a, as a coach. Always played nice football as well. Right. We've had another long one there, but and a very enjoyable one again. It's always more enjoyable with a, a 2 0 win at Fulham under your belt. And uh, we look forward to uh, to Boxing Day. Obviously, we all look forward to Christmas before. And so, a very, very Merry Christmas to all our uh, listeners who have been uh, so so active with us in the last uh, week or two, you know, without soaring up the charts and, and starting to get some really good feedback online. And, and those teams that you sent in were, were really gave us a lot of enjoyment seeing all those. Have a great Christmas with your family. Enjoy Boxing Day. We'll be back with a debrief game, a debrief on, on that Liverpool game. And uh, not sure exactly when. Bear with us a bit on that, but we'll let you know on social media when it's done and it's going out, hopefully as soon as we can after after that game on Boxing Day. Uh, have a great time and uh, up the clarets. Cheers. Jimmy McElroy to Watson. Go. 